You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Sawn Outdoors Podcast. Hey guys, it's another Sawn Outdoors podcast episode. Thanks for tuning in. Um, things are getting crazy. It's been snowing a lot here in Utah uh, today. This is December 2nd. It's when I'm recording this. Um, so winter is winter's here, whether we like it or not. I know waterfowl hunts are still going on. There's been some late season uh, tags still going on. But things are kind of starting to shift from hunts to ice fishing and whatever else it is, eating a lot of food and candy and whatnot during the winter. Or uh, people are also getting into uh, their fitness um, goals and and, uh, trying to stay healthy through this so-called off-season. Also, Christmas is quickly approaching. Holy crud, it's only a few weeks away. So if you're looking for a gift for your hunter or huntress, uh, whoever in your family likes hunting, um, definitely check out the options at kingscamo.com. They just released a bunch of new items um, for their everyday like lifestyle. Um, they have a new trucker hat with a, one of those leather patches, which is pretty dang sweet. They also have the King's Lifestyle hoodie, which comes in red or black. I got a red one, and I must say, it is pretty awesome. It's pretty warm, too, so don't be surprised by that. It's a it's a really nice hoodie. I wore it um, down on the Henry Mountains last weekend with just my uh, windstorm jacket over the top for a windbreak, but that thing was awesome. They've also released three different colors of flannels, if that's your thing, if you're a lumberjack, but flannels always look good, right? Um, they have King's Logo Tumblr. Some new graphic socks. One thing that I'm really looking forward to getting is the King's Lifestyle Full Zip Sweater. This thing is just sharp looking. And if you need a belt, don't look any further. King's Logo Grip 6 Belt comes in two colors, olive and black. That thing is awesome. It's very slick. Holds your pants up just like a belt should. (laughs) Looks pretty good. They also have three different sizes of uh, the Mountain Shadow duffel bag. They've come out with a bunch of different colors for their new tri-blend tees, their hooded tee, the long sleeve crew, got some other hoodie options. I'm just telling you, I'm, they've got all kinds of stuff. Calendars. Their King's calendars have been around for quite a while, and if you haven't seen these, you're missing out. Get you a King's calendar. So you know when to apply for hunts, and you can also look at just ginormous bucks or bulls or all kinds of different things. They even have buffalo in some of them, which uh, is going to make an appearance in this podcast, so stay tuned. Keep listening. Anyway, when you're shopping at kingscamo.com, don't forget to use our discount code, which is S-A-H-N, SAHN, when you check out, because you're going to save yourself 15% off of your purchase which is huge. You can apply it to all sale items too, which is even better. So why wouldn't you shop at kingscamo.com? Yes, you can buy these. They're the king's gear, some of it. It's some retail outlets, but why wouldn't you save 15% when shopping at kingscamo.com? Jump on there, check it out, and uh, get your hunter or huntress in your life something a little special this holiday season. This one is episode number 27, and I don't have a title for it yet that will come to me after we get done recording. Um, Winter is upon us here in Utah. It is December, what is today, like the 2nd? December the 2nd. And it snowed almost a whole foot here in the valley uh, where I live. 
And so I spent the afternoon shoveling snow instead of recording this podcast. So here we go. Um, I wanted to follow up, first of all, with what happened um, at the end of our Colorado third season mule deer hunt. We had uh, two episodes, episode 25, which was 2018 Colorado mule deer opening weekend. And then we capped it off like with a middle of the week recap, episode 26, 2018 Colorado mule deer camp, day five. So we were there a couple of days after we recorded that uh, midweek podcast. And I want to fill everyone in on how we finished out. In day five, we we talk about um, we we had three of the five tags filled and kept pushing on. We were trying to get Ian and Ryan a couple bucks. So Ryan went uh, went all survivor man on us, and he actually backpacked into the wilderness. He took a uh, tent and a backpacking stove. And decided he was going to go in there and spend the night. Now we are like single digits, if not sub-zero, which I'm assuming we were where he was camping. And winds ripping. It was freezing cold. That's the point. It was freaking cold. And Ryan decides he's going to go off and camp like that. And, uh, I mean, more power to him. (laughs) We all thought it was kind of a dumb idea. But Ryan ended up going in. And shooting a buck, if I'm not mistaken, around 300 yards was the range. He shot a buck, and he didn't have a very good shot on it, apparently. Um, He did search around the last remaining hour of light and found some uh, traces of blood, a couple pin drop spots of blood, but ultimately decided to call it a night. Got in his tent, had the fire going, um, froze all night, uh, of course. Got up early the next morning, which would take some freaking guts and determination. Um, but he, I'm sure he didn't sleep much that night, wondering the status of this buck. Um, he searched well into the next day and followed some tracks and signs of blood over to um, uh, the side of the hill that had the snow had been melting off and ultimately lost the tracks. Based on the pictures that Ryan showed me later, um, I feel as though it wasn't a very lethal shot and feel like he did do all that he could do to uh, recover this deer. So, sadly, Ryan was not able to tag out. Um, he worked his tail off. He wanted to do it by himself. He wanted, the kid had some incredible drive and self-determination that he was going to set these goals. He was going to put in whatever work it required to achieve these goals. And he freaking worked his tail off. So did Ryan have a successful hunt? You bet he did. That guy was a freaking animal. I can't thank him enough for coming and helping us pack two deer off the mountain on opening day. That was incredible. And uh, appreciate the guy. The guy made a killer adobo chili, um, which blew my chili out of the water. (laughs) And uh, I just appreciate that guy a lot. So, Ryan, I'm looking forward to you and deer camp next year, buddy. Um, Which brings us to Ian. Ian um, was also trying to fill a tag, um, and Jeff and I, everywhere Jeff and I went, we found bucks. Were they all huge shooter bucks? And as people would say, no. Um, But we did find a lot of great bucks and a few really good bucks. So we told Ian uh, if he wanted to shoot a deer, and his standards weren't necessarily super high anymore at, at this point, we told him, that he needed to come with us when we had the perfect game plan. Well, he and Jeff, they ended up going up and around this area where we'd been hunting um, through on and off throughout the week. And this spot bordered some private. There was a private section that like juts right into the middle of all this public. So 
you have to take a different access road in and then hike around and get to this glassing point. And this, this, this point, this hill, um, it's kind of a transition zone between two pieces of private and the deer will cross from the pines across this face and go into, um, which is public and then go into some more private ground. Um, so their plan was to go up and sit up on this hill. Jeff actually shot his buck earlier in the week as we recapped, uh, in episode 26 and he killed his buck out on this transition field, this, uh, the sagebrush hill. So Ian and Jeff go up there, set up. I decided that I was going to stay down low where I could glass and I was going to try to glass something up. Um, and hopefully we would be able to see it all go down from my point. Um, I did end up finding a buck right off the bat on some lower section of private and believe it or not, I'm trying to grab the phone scope, get it set up again. And that buck's gone. I couldn't ever pick him up again. Um, I glassed up a little buck, which I was assuming was up in the same exact area near where Ian and Jeff were located. I didn't know their exact location, but I had a pretty good idea. But this buck, I knew that Ian really wouldn't want to shoot anyway. He was pretty tiny. Um, so I just kept glassing. Um, it started getting cold. Sun started kind of setting. Um, and I kept glassing, trying to pick apart this hillside, um, hoping that I would see something come up out of the bottom and working its way towards Jeff and Ian. Well, that same thing just happened. So I'm looking through the spotter. And this buck kind of wanders out, like right on the ridge line. I'm like, dang, that looks like a decent buck. And he was just kind of chilling right on this, from my vantage point, a ridge line. But it was kind of a lower hill below Ian and Jeff. And so I started trying to locate Ian and Jeff in the spotting scope. And just as I do, I noticed that. Jeff is set up on his spotting scope looking down, uh, down the hill, and Ian is laying down prone over the backpack with the rifle pointed downrange. So I follow the direction the gun and, and spotting scope are pointed and travel, like chase it back down to that buck I had spotted. I'm like, holy crap, Ian's getting ready to shoot this buck. So I'm trying to fidget with the uh, phone scope. Turns out I have the wrong adapter on. The other one's in the front seat. So I run to the front seat and grab this thing, and I'm trying to get it on, and I drop my phone and the phone scope in the mud. And I'm like, holy crap. Still fidgeting with it. And I'm like, you know what? If I keep messing with this, I'm going to miss this whole thing. I set it down on the tailgate, my phone and the phone scope. I set them down on the, the tailgate. And just as I position my eye on the eye cup of the spotting scope, I see that buck drop, and then I heard the report of the rifle, and it was super cool. I am so glad that I saw that happen. Um, I am bummed that I did not capture it on film, but I am super happy to have seen that. Last year, I was very bummed out that I wasn't with Ian when he tagged out on his first big buck. It was actually his first buck. He shot a, a doe um, on a depredation tag a couple of years prior. But I was, I was bummed that I wasn't with him because I'm kind of the one that helped get him into hunting and uh, lit the fire under him, and I wasn't a part of it. So I'm like, man, I at least want to be a part of his second one, and I'm super pumped, like I said, that I was able to watch it all go down. And then I drove around and uh, met up with the guys and helped them pack out the last couple hundred yards in the dark. <laughs> it was a riot. Um on my way to help them out, I parked the truck, and there was another truck parked there uh, with a buck in the back. And so I'm loading up my pack, trying to take off stuff I don't need and just take the essentials to go help Ian pack his buck out. And the kid, who I was assuming um, owned that truck, comes walking out of the woods. And I said, hey, is that your buck in the back of the truck? And he said, yes, it is. And I said, you mind if I take a look at it? The reason why I wanted to see it was, first of all, it was a really nice buck. Second of all, I thought there was a small chance that it might be the same buck that Dylan, who ended up leaving early because he was sick, 
Uh, I, I thought it would be the same buck he shot at. Turns out it's the same buck. And I was like, holy smokes, dude, congrats. That's a nice buck. I said, my buddy was shooting at this deer and just didn't hit him. Um, but he shot at him a couple times the other day. He said, are you serious? Because there's a hole in his antler. And I was like, what? I got to see this. So he, he showed it to me. And sure enough, there was a hole right through his main beam, uh, kind of before everything forks off of it. And uh, perfect hole right through it. Didn't break anything off. Just center punched that thing. <laughs> anyway, it was pretty incredible. I was pretty happy for the kid. Told him congrats on a nice buck. And um, anyway, went in to help finish the pack out. So uh, that was pretty much the end of our Colorado hunt. And we had a blast. Uh, we I feel like we really learned a lot more area. And we were able to focus on more animals. It was crazy. Like last year when we hunted this area... Um, we saw deer, but we really didn't see that many bucks. Pretty much the bucks that we did see, we shot. Um, this year was a little bit different story. It seemed like there were a ton more bucks floating around. And so we were able to be a little bit more picky and choosy um, to an extent. And it, it was just a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> I couldn't believe everywhere Jeff and I tried, we found deer and we found bucks. And so... I'm really looking forward to next year. I feel like we've got a pretty good handle on the area, at least in knowing it. And we know um, general places where the deer are hanging out. And now we've got some bucks under our belts. And I think next year, hopefully we have a great year, um, a wet spring, and there's good feed and, and everything lines up. But uh I'm really hoping that next year we can all be a little bit more picky and we can all bring home some what is considered trophy deer. Um, yeah, we just had a riot. So <laughs> I'm going through mule deer withdrawals. Um, that being said, uh, Zach and I, we decided that we wanted to go on a little trip uh, the day after Thanksgiving. Most people go out Black Friday shopping. Yeah, we go and look at mule deer. Like last year, we went out to the mountains uh, by our houses, and we were able to find a really nice typical four-point. We just spent the day videoing him and photographing him, and we actually made a little video of it and threw it on the YouTube channel. So we are like, man, we got to go down to the Henry Mountains. Uh, the Henry Mountains is like the epitome of awesome mule deer country. There are massive bucks on this range. Um, in Utah... Minus Antelope Island, which is kind of a special place, um, I guess the, Hen the Henry Mountains is probably the number one destination for mule deer. Um, that may be changing based off of what we heard and what we saw down there, uh, but it's pretty much the go-to spot. Now, the the buck-to-doe ratio it was pretty dang high. I don't, I don't know what it is right offhand. I'll try to look that up, but... Um, it was incredible. We saw deer everywhere and, uh, started off. We got down there on a Friday night and, um, we set up our camp kind of, Oh, we still had two hours probably before it got dark. So we set up our camp and took off up the mountain and we, we saw a doe, <clears throat> a doe and a fawn kind of low. And we're like, man, maybe we should get out here and start looking. Um, Ultimately, we decided that uh, we'd keep driving and try to get higher up on the mountain range um, to see if we could find the deer high first. And it paid off because as soon as we got up to the base of the tallest um, points, we found deer. <laughs> Started off with a little two-point. And when I say little, he was actually like a really good two-point. Um, but we saw these these deer are just rutting away, uh, in smoke brush and, uh, started filming and photographing them. And, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to pull up go hunt so I can, uh, check out the buck to doe ratio. I'm very curious. Um, but anyway, um, we had a successful night. We saw a lot of bucks, um, I mean, decent bucks, but nothing that was like, 
what we really went to the Henry Mountains to find, you know. Um, so we were a little bit bummed um, when we went back to camp that night because the, the quality just wasn't what we had expected. We saw a lot that we would have been happy to see around home. And in fact, we were talking about it. We had seen a lot bigger deer uh, running around home before we left <laughs> than we did this whole trip. But it was still pretty fun. Uh, the next day we got up. Oh, here we go. Uh, Henry Mountains. Trophy potential 190 plus, which I can tell you there's a lot bigger deer or have been a lot bigger deer than 190 inches. But the buck to doe ratio is 47 to 100. So pretty dang good. Anyway, day two rolls around and we get up, start rolling down the road again. And again, we find deer and they are not far off the road. Um, some really nice bucks. I would be happy to shoot one of those on a general unit any day. Um, and by the way, we're going to be putting this all into a YouTube video. I started working on it uh, this weekend. I uh, just haven't had a chance to finish it. had a lot going on. But we uh, started finding a lot of bucks. Um, Dylan, or, uh, <laughs> Zach ended up glassing up what we think was a shed. Uh, which we might have to go back down and take a look at, a little closer look. But um, we just had a blast driving around all day, seeing deer not far off the road. It seemed like everywhere we started glassing, we, we were able to pick up bucks and, and deer. And like I said, they didn't disappoint in the fact that there were a lot of bucks and they were decent. But again, nothing that screamed, hey, I'm a Henry Mountains buck. Well... We uh, ended up having a late lunch and started out again. We decided to go over to where Zach, who in 2013 was lucky enough to hold a tag, and he shot a buck in this area. So he wanted to show me that. Um, so we, we checked out that area and started exploring a little bit after that. And we pulled up on this, um, kind of tucked back in this little canyon. We pulled up on this sagebrush little hilltop. Uh, where the road dead ended, and I got out. The wind is ripping. It was freezing down there all weekend, and it, the wind was ripping so bad up high, it made it really difficult to have our tripods um, with the spotters or video cameras steady. <laughs> so some of our footage is a little bit shaky, uh, but we did the best we could. But anyway, we get out of the truck. The wind is ripping. Walked down off the hill and relieved myself while I'm waiting for Zach to come down. Zach comes down the hill and he's like, you know, this place just screams buffalo to me. He's like, there should just be buffalo roaming all over through here. I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. It also screams big buck rutting territory. There should be lots of big bucks rutting all over this place, which we didn't see either. Zach decided to pull up his binos and started looking around and something caught his eye and he put his binos on it and he's like, are you kidding me? There's a buffalo. That's a buffalo. Dude, there's a buffalo over there. I'm like, what? Where? And he pointed it out with, and with the naked eye, you could see this black spot, this dark spot um, against the kind of dead landscape. <laughs> it's being fall. Everything's kind of brown and dead. No leaves left on the trees. So I pulled up the binos, and I'm like, holy crap, that is a big buffalo. That's a huge bull. And I was like, dude, you got to go get your phone scope and your spotter. Go grab him. I'll stay here. Keep an eye on him. So he did, and we ended up filming this thing. Oh, <laughs> before he ran and grabbed that, I looked down, and, like, right in front of us, there was this little three-point mule deer shed. <laughs> so it was, there's a buffalo. Oh, and there's a mule deer shed. So... Anyway, Zach grabs his spotter, and we film the buffalo for a little bit. We're, like, both leaving pretty pumped. We hadn't seen any buffalo. We went down this spring, never saw a buffalo. And <clears throat> this whole trip, that's the only buffalo we saw. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, we decided with the last uh, hour and a half, two hours of light, we were going to go look for more bucks. So we start back up the road. And we need to head um, back to town soon because we're kind of running low on fuel. Anyway, 
Um, we locate some more bucks, um, filming them, and, and we see this buck right off the side of the road that is just a huge old buck. He is busted off like maybe two inches above his uh, head on his left side. And then on his right side, um, he's all sorts of broken up, but he has enough there that we can tell that he is way wider than his ears. But he is so broken up, we have no clue what he is. But you could just see in his face this, like, just old, mature, wise buck. We're like, dude, that is freaking cool. So we're sitting there videoing him, getting all sorts of pictures of him. And I'm, like, swapping cameras, trying to get some more photos. And I just get the lens hooked up, flip the camera on, and he jumps up and takes off. I'm like, what? Why did it take off? He was totally content. And I look up the road, and here comes this pickup in this Jeep. And I'm like, gosh, dang it, those freaking D-bags. And they pull up next to us. And the guy rolls down his window, and he's like, you guys seeing anything good? And we're like, well, yeah, we've seen some pretty good bucks. There was one right here. Thought you guys came down the road. (laughs) I don't think we said that last part. But they're like, oh, yeah, Uh, Will, have you seen any buffalo? We're like, this is kind of crazy they're asking. But as a matter of fact, we have. And he's like, well, I have a a buffalo tag, and I just haven't been seeing much. Like, was it a bull? We're like, yeah, actually, it was a pretty good bull. And his eyes, like, just kind of perked up. He seemed, when he first pulled up and started talking to us, he seemed kind of dejected and a little bit down. And as soon as we said there was a big bull, he kind of perked up. And anyway, come to find out, these guys have been hunting hard. It was uh, a guy and his cousin, and they've been hunting since the hunt had opened. And now... Let me preface this with, I should have started this first, but in Utah, there are once-in-a-lifetime species. There's buffalo, which is one. There's the moose. There's bighorn sheep. There's Rocky Mountain goats. Um, Am I missing something? I think that's it. Anyway, there's a few species that are once-in-a-lifetime. Buffalo is one of them. So this guy... Tells us he has one of these once-in-a-lifetime hunts. Once you get that tag, you can never have that tag again in your life in the state. So, pretty special tag. Anyway, we're trying to explain to this guy where this buffalo is. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't we just take you there? And he's like, oh, would you? Dude, that would be so awesome. Let's go kill this thing. And we're like, yeah, all right, cool, let's go. (laughs) So... We all jump in our trucks, start heading back to where we'd seen this buffalo. And I'm talking to Zach. I'm like, we're all getting pumped up. It's psyched up. And I'm like, you know what? Like, we could show this guy where this buffalo is, but we don't have that much light left. Like, I don't know if they're going to have enough time to get over there and make a shot on it. And now we had seen a road not far from where this buffalo was, but we didn't know the exact location. So... In order to like guide someone in, we'd have to go up, show them where the buffalo is so they can get a reference point, And then they would have to drive around and somehow we'd have to communicate them that, to them that that is the spot they need to stop their vehicle and then hike in and get on this buffalo. And I was just thinking, there's no way that this is going to work with the time, of, you know, with the light we have. It's just, it's, everything seems a little too crazy, a little too rushed. And Zach's like, you know what? Let's just at least show them where the buffalo is. That's all we can do. And I was like, yeah, you got a good point. So we get up uh, to that little sagebrush hill again. We jump out and he's like, where's that buffalo? I don't see him. (laughs) He had been standing next to this uh, quakey patch. There wasn't very many quakies in this area, but this quakey patch by this scree field at the base of a hill. And uh, there were also some pines surrounding that uh, quakey patch so we start glassing and in a couple minutes i was like there he is he's there he's still in that same spot he's just behind a pine tree i can see his head and it took us a couple minutes to get get the guys on him pretty soon all of us had seen him and the guy pulled out his rangefinder. that tree was like 983 yards now this guy pulled out a big gun which i later learned was a 300 wind mag And he looked like he was dialed for long range. But like I mentioned earlier, the wind is still ripping across this hill. And I can imagine it's just swirling everywhere in between us and this buffalo. 
So a long-range shot, out of the question. The only way, with the fading light, um, the only way that these guys could get on this buffalo is to drop straight off the hill where we're at, work their way through some nasty um, just cover and a big ravine, and then get over to this buffalo. The only landmark you really got is the base of this mountain and those quakies because um, everything else looks the same. So uh, these guys headed in and actually left us with a radio. So Zach and I were like, well, we're going to freaking film this thing. Um, so we set up the spotter and the phone scopes and battling the cold and dying batteries in the phones, we did the best we could. Um, I got a radio call from the guys saying they were 600-some-odd yards out. They could see the buffalo, but they had no shot. Bummer deal. The sun is fading fast. And uh, these guys still have a little bit of distance to go. And uh, I just I don't know how this is going to work out. But I figure the buffalo, had by this point, stood up and he started feeding, but he hadn't gone far. He fed his way from the quakies into this pine patch, but we never saw him come out of the pines. So we knew he was still there. We communicated that with the hunter and his cousin, and they pressed on. At this point, Zach and I are shaking because we're shivering so bad. It is so cold. And uh, it's all we can do to, like, just tense our muscles up, flex, try to get a steady shot with, through the binos to see if he's still there, and then, like, the shivers just take over again. <laughs> It was just crazy. It was so cold. Um, pretty soon, we get another radio call. Can you guys see him? We're like, no, we can't, but he, he's still there. He fed just to the left of those quakies where he originally was. He's in the pines, maybe 40 yards from where you guys saw him before you took off. They're like, okay, well, we can't see him. A little bit later, I caught some movement in the bottom of the spotting scope. And it ended up being those guys. And I radioed back to him and I said, guys, you're like about 100 yards below him. He's straight up from your position and to your left. And they're like, we can't see him. I'm like, holy crap, how can you not see him? You have to have a better view than we do. <laughs> but they couldn't see him. So they kind of worked around these pines and they're trying to find a position where they could see him and get a shooting lane. It's taking some time, and the sun is starting to go down. The light is fading. I mean, they have 20 minutes to get this thing done. Maybe 15. <laughs> Probably 20, but it, I mean, it is getting dark. I'm starting to get worried. I'm freaking out. I'm cold. And Zach's phone dies. I'm like, no, crap. Here, give me your adapter. Threw it on my spot on my phone scope. Threw my phone up for him. He started videoing. And we lost the guys. We couldn't see him anymore. And so we're sitting there looking at the phone scope, just intently looking at every little branch and everything, trying to find a dark spot in these pines where we can make an assumption, a, a good guess of where this buffalo is. And Zach just starts saying, hey, I think this is his head right there. And you start seeing this buffalo come crashing out of these trees. And then we heard the report of the gun because they're a thousand yards away. And this buffalo comes out kind of angling down into our left and then he like makes his turn and starts going down to our right and zach zooms out on the phone scope on the spotter and those guys are right there like in the path of this buffalo <laughs> we're like holy crap and these guys come on the radio well first of all we see them in the in the spotting scope high five and everything we're like they freaking got it done and they come on the radio and they're like, things about got Western there. We almost had to John Wayne him. <laughs> We're like, what? They're like, yeah, he almost got a six shooter. Turns out when they shot this thing. So we, we thought that this Buffalo charged them after the shot. Turns out he happened to run downhill in their direction after the shot. None of us believe now that uh, the Buffalo is actually charging them, but it came right at him. And I can imagine they were like crapping their pants. I, I bet it felt like he was charging them. So the shot ended up being, I believe, 66 yards with a 300 wind mag. And this buffalo died 37 yards from these two guys. 
who are just standing there in the open could be trampled had this thing come after them. Um, but it was freaking awesome. We had our hoots and hollers and high fives ourselves. And then we ended up going down, picking up the cousin, uh, bringing him back up so he could get his Jeep, took him back down. And we hiked in to help uh, with whatever we needed to do to help get this animal off the mountain. By this time, it's dark. Um, <clears throat> so Zach and I were super unprepared for packing animals. But with what little we had, we hiked in there, and they're like, no, we don't expect you to help. And we're like, are you kidding me? We want to be a part of this. Like, when else are we going to have the chance to help somebody or be a part of a once-in-a-lifetime buffalo hunt? Probably never again. I mean, I say probably never. There's a slim chance, but, yeah, probably never. So <clears throat> we hiked in there, um, high-fived the hunter, freaking just stood in awe at this buffalo that's laying there on the ground um and then we decided to help the guys start working on him um held him helped hold the legs up while they gutted him helped pull off the front two um quarters the shoulders um and then helped him cape him out and pull the head off and they decided to wait till the morning to go in and get the rest, but it was just a super neat experience. Um, these guys were super grateful and almost in shock that two kids would just help them, first of all, tell them where this big buffalo was. Second of all, sit there and help guide them in on it. Third, help them quarter it up and pack it out. These guys kept saying, you guys are something else. You guys are unique. Like, we don't know anybody else that would do this kind of thing. And we're like, are you serious? Like, that's just, like, part of it, man. We just like to, to do this. This is this makes us happy. I don't know why anyone else wouldn't want to be like this. I mean, it's super hard to have one of these tags. It's not like we could save this buffalo for ourselves or one of our friends that might have this tag 25 years from now. You know, it's like... No, we want to be a part of this. And so we were super grateful that these guys let us be a part of their hunt. They were super grateful that we helped them locate this bull. Um, turns out we talked to the tag holder. He told us, when I stopped and talked to you guys, he's like, I was super hesitant to do so. He's like, I almost drove by you, but I said, no, I'm going to ask. He said, I had already made up my mind. We had seen buffalo. They weren't what we were looking for. He said, we had seen lots of cows, which you could shoot either sex with this tag. And we had seen a couple of small bulls, younger bulls that just weren't really stoked on. So he's like, I had already made up my mind when we were heading down the road before I ran into you that tomorrow we were going to go back to where the herd was and I was going to shoot a cow and my hunt would be done. I just can't thank you guys enough to help me find this bull. We're like, dude, seriously, don't worry about it. This is awesome for us. So um, Zach's friend, who works for a guiding um, company, was actually down in the same area. We never did run into him, but they were down there hunting buffalo for a client. And so Zach and I, not knowing a thing about buffalo, decided that we were going to text some pictures of the buffalo to um, to his friend and you get some info <laughs> like we have no clue if this is a good buffalo or not i mean he looked huge seemed really heavy big horns big head big body but we don't know so zach texts a picture to his friend and his friend's like was this thing all by itself and we're like yeah he was all alone he's like well that's a good buffalo we're like well how good and so we sent him another picture, and he's like, that thing is probably borderline Boone and Crockett. We're like, are you kidding us? So here's two guys who know nothing about buffalo. Go down to the Henry Mountains, not intending to be a part of any sort of hunt. The only thing they took with them is warm clothes, which obviously they didn't have enough when the buffalo when it, uh, came into play and when it really mattered. But uh, they took camera gear. And so they ended up finding this buffalo, which ended up being a really great buffalo, then ran into a tag holder and helped 
him successfully harvest this buffalo. Couldn't have been any cooler. Couldn't have happened any better. Freaking happy. I'm freaking grateful to have been a part of this. And that memory is going to live on forever. I will never forget that experience. Seeing that guy's face next to that buffalo. He was all smiles. He was super happy. And you could just see like the relief in his face that he had tagged out on a great bull. So that was pretty fun. I hope you guys enjoyed that story. Um, I know Zach and I still are talking about it. We're telling everybody. <laughs> it, it it almost seems like a dream, like it really didn't happen, um, but it definitely did. And uh, we are working on a video that will be on our YouTube page soon. Um, so if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube, make sure you check us out, Sahn Outdoors, S-A-H-N outdoors on youtube and uh we should have that video up in the next week or so hoping maybe a couple but we'll see um i want to take the time now uh to just we reached out on social media and asked for people to dm us some topics that they want us to to cover so i'm just going to go through a few of these um we're going to have to do this again i think q and a's are are fun and they're awesome and they're really engaging. So I really want to do more of these. Um, but I'm only going to do a few of them. So the first one we got was from man, Keegan Ingram, Ingram, Keegan Ingram. Man, I totally butchered that Keegan Ingram on Instagram. He asked us if we'd ever hunted Montana and if so, where at, um, no, we haven't hunted Montana. Um, it is on the list, but it's just, we get so busy with the, with Utah where we all, well, where Zach and I reside and Colorado where Ian resides, um, and a couple other States such as Idaho. Um, and then I had a tag in Wyoming this last year, but we get so busy with those tags and what limited vacation we have that we haven't ever made it up to Montana, but it definitely is on the list. I want to go up and hunt. Um, I want to shoot a whitetail. I want to hunt elk and mule deer in Montana. So maybe even antelope if I had the chance. So Keegan, good question. Um, we had Jacob Packer 18. He said, how to stock a buck in the loud snow? Um, that is a good question, Jacob. <laughs> One that I probably am not qualified to, to answer. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with this. Um, I'm assuming you're meaning, uh, getting close enough for bow range possibly, but there's really not a good way to stock in the snow, but you can use some similar techniques to uh, other styles of hunting, um, and stocking, which is keep the wind in your favor. If the wind is blowing to an animal, they're going to smell you, first of all, and there's a better chance that they can hear you. So if you can have the wind blow across your body instead of at your back towards the animal, then you're going to be better off. If you can have it in your face, that's even better. Um, so the wind is huge. Um, I always try to look for a different route, if I can, um, to keep the wind in my favor and to be as quiet as possible stocking in the snow <laughs> it just sounds tough so if you figure that one out let me know um this question is from tason olson 2344 on instagram and he wants to know what the best vortex optics are the best vortex optics are the most expensive but um the razor line is probably going to be your best bet they are the highest quality glass, um, and they are the most expensive. Um, the Viper line, which is the next step down, is definitely a good line. My personal binoculars are Vipers, um, as well as two of my rifle scopes. Um, I have two Razor spotting scopes, but you really can't go wrong with any Vortex products. Obviously, like I said, the, the more money you spend, and this goes for most anything, the more money you spend, typically the better the product is going to be. 
there are a few exceptions. Um, but, um, so if it all depends on your budget, man, if you don't have a ton of money, go with the best and most expensive that you can afford. That's my best recommendation on that one. Um, this question is from Nimrod outdoors. He asks, what unit in Colorado do you hunt for third season? (laughs) Well, it's not a secret. Um, but we don't like to divulge those types of, um, that, that type of information. Um, we work hard to, to find places to hunt. And so there are a lot of tools and resources out there that we use, uh, to find these places. One of them being gohunt.com. If you don't know what gohunt is, um, it's a great resource of data to not only find places, um, to hunt, you can search by state, by species, you can search by um, so many different um, parameters. Uh, you can search by um, trophy potential, harvest um, harvest uh, success rates. You can narrow it down by, man, I'm trying to think, there's so many options, by the potential that you have to draw that tag um, by hunt type there's just so many different things so first of all I recommend using a resource like that there's other things like hunt and fool and Eastman's hunting journals and things like that or even states um, wildlife data sometimes that can be hard to interpret um, on your own but there's lots of good resources out there and once you find an area I highly recommend using Google Earth if you can't check out a place beforehand. But honestly, the best way to learn an area, um, get to know it, is by actually putting boots on the ground. You can't, I mean, there's just no alternative to having boots on the ground and then eyes on the actual terrain. You just can't beat it. So that's what I recommend. Um, Muley John this is a few months ago we asked the same question, so this is coming at us from a while ago. He, he he wants to have us do a podcast on our favorite hunting stories from growing up and how we got into hunting. So we're going to save that question for later because I think that's a really good one. And maybe this question too, uh, the Mountain Phoenix on Instagram asked or t- said that she wants to hear a podcast on building a stronger community of hunters. That's a great topic and a great idea. Um, and it's a good goal to have, but I've actually been thinking about this a lot today. I just don't think that it's possible because there's so many different people. There's different style of hunters and different personalities are going to clash. Um, you know, when you take hunter safety, they talk about three types of hunters. They talk about, um, someone who hunts for meat, someone who hunts for trophies, and someone who hunts to pass on the legacy. Um, and there's kind of a few others in there in between. But your your guys that are hunting for meat are never going to agree with the guys who are hunting for trophies and vice versa. Um, and sadly, social media has just made this a freaking circus. <laughs> um, with people bashing, with hunters bashing other hunters. Which I find really sad and pathetic. Because we're getting attacked right and left from anti-hunting groups enough as it is that we shouldn't really be um, worried about what other people in the hunting community are doing and bashing on them. But it seems to be a never-ending thing. So um, my biggest piece of advice is to just be a little bit kinder to everybody. Um, you never know uh, someone's circumstances, what they're going through. And this this goes to... I mean, this applies to everybody and and into more circumstances and situations other than just hunters and hunting. But just be kind. Um, Kindness goes a long way. Um, It's been on my mind a lot lately. And maybe because I'm just getting tired of of seeing it, um, people bashing other people. And maybe because it's uh, wintertime and starting to be that season. But I just recommend a few things. I recommend surrounding yourself with good people. Um, There's a lot of people out there who will be your friend 
until it no longer benefits them. Don't ever let yourself be that type of person. Surround yourself with people that don't talk negatively about other people. Nobody likes negative people. And that's just a a terrible and um, self-degrading, just a a horrible attitude and and, uh, mindset to have. I recommend surrounding yourself with other people who will have your back, even when it might not be the popular thing to do. Surround yourself with people who will drop anything to help you out in a moment's notice. I have a lot of good friends like this. Um, friends that who <laughs> I've done something stupid, such as gotten the four-wheeler or Jeep stuck up in the mountains. And I know that if I call those guys, they'll drop whatever they're doing, whatever time it is, and they, they'll come help me out. Are they always happy? No. But I wouldn't be happy either about coming to help someone dig out of the snow at 10 o'clock at night. But I have a lot of friends who would do that. So be one of those type of people. Surround yourself with people that build you up. Life's too short to tear other people down. Um, And I just love this quote by Mark Twain. He says, Kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. So I just would like to invite everybody to be a little bit kinder. Um, Try to go out of your way to be kind to one person every day. and See the difference it makes in your life. Wow, (laughs) this is turning into a a deeper podcast than just hunting. Um, But I think it's important. Um, Going, Muley John, um, in a a previous request on on Instagram, when we asked uh, for podcast topics, um, suggested that we do a podcast on application strategies. And I think I kind of just covered that with the Go Hunt um, plug and things like Eastman hunting journals and hunt and fool and, and things like that. I just say apply for all the tags that you can. I mean, the more tags you have, the more opportunities you're going to have to be out there with a tag in your pocket, a weapon in hand and a chance to harvest an animal. So just give yourself opportunity. Opportunity comes by time and time usually equals success in some form or another. Um, This one is from Mosser Chris, and he wants to hear more minimalist survival tips. So that's also a good one, Um, definitely to get Ian on. Ian's really into bushcraft and and survival and stuff. So I've taken an outdoor survival class or two um, and did some other things through uh, the scouting program. But that definitely sounds like a great podcast. Um. The Mountain Phoenix also wants to hear us do a podcast on the top three hunts since we started Son, which would be a great one. Muley John, again, wants to hear another podcast with the famous Shed Crazy. That would be good. Um, Hunter Loveless wants us to talk about waterfowl. Um, We still got a little bit of time here, so waterfowl. You know, (laughs) once the big game hunts kind of wind down, I, in the past, have been all about waterfowl. It's kind of slowed down for me in the last couple of years. In fact, I have a swan tag in my pocket, and I think it ends, swan season ends next week. Um, But I've, I just haven't been out that much in the last couple of years. I really like it because um, it's pretty sweet to be able to fool, um, fool animals (laughs) with some fake, um, but realistic looking animals like decoys and get them. And also with your calls to be able to get them to come in and commit is a pretty cool thing in itself. And then you just get to shoot a lot more in waterfowl and small game hunting than you do in big game. So I really like that, but we'll definitely have to do a podcast on waterfowling. I know a couple guys that really like it. I like it. So that would be a good one. Um, I think all of our hunts are done. I I still have an archery tag, which I could go out, I believe, for a couple more weeks here in Utah and participate in the extended archery elk hunt. The deer hunt ended on the 30th of November. But you know what? I'm kind of content. I'm 
kind of ready to maybe do some predator hunting and take care of some things around home and get ready for more time spent outside when uh when shed season rolls around <laughs> so i think um that we're yeah we're pretty much done we might get out a little bit more um try to locate some big mule deer that may still be rutting um hanging out kicking around but for the most part we're done so we have some other exciting things coming up which i want to fill everyone in on um, if you are around Utah or the surrounding states, or you just are super passionate about hunting, you'll want to come to the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo in Salt Lake City. Um, I'm going to look this up because I don't know it myself, but I believe that next year it will be in February um, at the Salt Palace in Salt Lake City, Utah. And what it is, is, I mean, everybody and their dog goes to this thing. Um, from any type of hunting gear company um, that makes products, from your supplements to your tents to your backpacks to your weapons, they're there. And it's the place to hang out. It's a good place to talk, chat, uh, reminisce, tell stories, check out new gear. Um, it's just a really fun place. Um, there's also something really cool about the expo. They get an extra 200 tags um, set aside, aside from the normal Utah draw or application system. And they give away these tags at this expo. So in order to apply, you, I mean, you still have to have hunter's education and um, be legal to hunt. But for $5, you can apply for a hunt. So if you want, they have packages where you can actually apply for all of the hunts that they offer, which totally increases your odds. And then if you draw one of these tags, it doesn't take your points away that you've been building up, your bonus points. You get to keep those. I know a few people that have drawn tags at this expo. And it's freaking awesome. Um, you still have to pay for the tag. But like I said, it only costs you $5 to apply. It's a whole separate system aside from the regular Utah draw. So you get to increase your chances of drawing a tag again. Like, I mean, it's just, I don't know why you wouldn't apply. <laughs> Sometimes you spend a lot of money, as I know, and don't draw anything. But I know that when I do draw, it's going to pay dividends. Uh, so definitely... Check the Western Hunting Conservation Expo out. Um, I said I was going to find out when it is. I pulled up the website. February 14th through the 17th, 2019, at the Salt Palace Convention Center in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, the reason why I brought up the expo, though, is because Sawn Outdoors is going to have our very own booth for the first time ever at this expo. So we are super excited. We're going to line up some podcasts, record those there at the expo. We will also have some of our merchandise, hats and t-shirts, um, stickers to sell. So come by, say hi. Um, it's just going to be a great time. We can't wait to, uh, to see those of you who, uh, plan on attending. So if you've never been, I, I highly recommend it. This is also where, they do the auction tags. Um, the, all the money goes back to conservation. Um, they auction off sheep tags. Um, that's where an antelope island tag for huge mule deer gets auctioned off. A couple years ago, it went for like almost a half a million dollars. It's freaking crazy. But I just recommend you guys come on out. It's a good time of year. Not a whole lot going on. Um, oh, that reminds me. So it's December. Things are getting cold. I just shoveled a whole bunch of snow this afternoon. Um, ice fishing. That's a thing. A thing that I haven't done much of. And a thing I want to start doing. Um, I know that Ian has some contacts. And I think he's getting them lined up. So hopefully the next podcast or two will be uh, talking a little ice fishing. So for those of you that are interested in that. 
definitely stay tuned. If you got any uh, tips or tactics or stories or whatever else you want to contribute, feel free to shoot them over. Sonoutdoors at gmail.com. Son, S-A-H-N. Um, or you can reach out to us on social media. Um, yeah, should be good. So thank you guys for listening to this. Um, I had a lot of fun recording it when I first sat down to record. I didn't know how well it was going to go, but I, I think it went pretty well. Had a a fun story to recap from the Henry mountains and a a few other items. So thank you guys for all of your support. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we really appreciate the kind comments and feedback that we get on our social media platforms the words of encouragement, um, just the, the friendly hellos and highs that we get. I see a few people at Sportsman's Warehouse or, or whatever and take the time to say hi um, or at other events. So uh, you guys don't know how much that means to us. Um, those words of encouragement, um, simple and small as they may seem to you, really mean a lot to us and give us the motivation um, and the drive sometimes to keep going when it, it gets tough. Uh, we all have full-time jobs, families, lots of obligations outside of uh, doing these podcasts and recording videos and going on hunts and stuff. So um, it gets tough, but we th- we thank you and appreciate all of your support. And also, for those of you that have ordered merchandise from us, thank you again. That can be found um, on our website, sawnoutdoors.com. We have a little shop, and like I said, we'll be selling that stuff at uh, – at the hunt expo. So come by, say hi, it'll be a good time. And, uh, I think this is a good place to stop. So until next time, keep it up guys. We'll see you later.